This is Pax What She Said. Now, here's Perry Goldstein and Maggie Loney. Welcome back to another episode of the Pax What She Said podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Maggie Loney, joined as always by Perry Goldstein. And it is the sweetest victory Monday that I think that we have had the entirety of the season. The perfect way to start a brand new year, 2023. The Pax host the Minnesota Vikings, the NFC North winning Minnesota Vikings, and just completely dominate the entirety of the game. A 41-17 final that doesn't really paint the entire picture of the game. I think we all kind of freeze-framed in our brain at 41-3, to and that's what we're going to yes. go with uh, to talk about this episode. So, Perry, Happy New Year. What a great way to start. Happy New Year. It is. I hope that this game was an omen for what my 2023 year is going to be. I would love to dominate and have that kind of energy and come out on top. That's, that's, that's what I think this was for the Packers. Um, I agree with you. This to me in my mind was a 41 to three win. the two touchdowns that happened in garbage time were against the Packers second and third string defense and just don't count. So I think all around, this was like the first like complete game the Packers have played. It's week 17 and they finally showed us their full potential. What we have known all season, they can be when all 22 players on that field are playing to their full potential. Like this is the Packers. And I hope that this is them getting hot at exactly the right time. Um, obviously, they're not quite in yet. They need another win next week against the Lions. But I hope this energy and this like peaking uh, can carry them forward. Yeah, I texted you about this after the game, and I'm not trying to put too much, you know, um, stock into my six-week-old son, but I just want to point out that since his birth, the Packers are four and one, and his one loss was against the Eagles, which I'm not really counting. So yeah, I think that my son brought good luck to the franchise, and if they win a Super Bowl, it's probably because I had a son named Vincent. But let's talk. You about did name game. him. You <laughs> did name him Vincent. So and his initials are VL. Just saying. Yeah, I, you said it, not me. So let's talk about this, though, because, you know, we talked about the Vikings before this game and the fact that they we didn't really believe that they could be a team that could go all the way. And it was very reminiscent of the 2019 Packers, where sometimes you're just a lucky football team. Right. Yeah. And a lot of the times this season and the Vikings have had some incredible comebacks, obviously looking at a Colts team that albeit is not very good but one score games that could have gone as an L or a W. And I think this is why a lot of people didn't really believe in the Vikings as a team. And I think you could argue that this season, there were plenty of games that the Packers could have won and didn't. So it was really nice to finally see them come out against a playoff team that is going to be no less than the third seed at this point in the playoffs, hosting playoff games to put out the performance that they did against a high powered offense with a really fantastic edge rush, just, all around, like you said, the best performance by them of the season. An edge rush that they completely wiped out. I mean, the Packers allowed, I think I saw four pressures total. Rodgers didn't get sacked once. He... He got he took that really terrible sack where he ran backwards like 16 yards. That's right. I was like, but. no, I do remember him being on the ground, but that felt like his fault. That was his um, fault. <laughs> that was definitely his fault. Um, yeah, I mean, it was just one of those games where everything kind of happened right. And they played really complimentary football. Like I said, all 21 guys and special teams went out and did what they needed to do. And 
this wasn't against like a slouch team, just like you said. The Vikings won the division. They're going to be hosting playoff games. Sure, they have a little bit of a kind of a wonky looking stat line when it comes to um, DVOA and, you know, point differential and things like that. But it takes a good football team to win 12 games in a season, period. And I think the Packers had a little bit of the momentum advantage in this game. A, they're playing for their season because they're not in yet. The Vikings are. And B, this was a revenge game. This was a revenge game to the highest degree because week one, no one can stop talking about. And the Vikings could come in maybe and play spoiler, et cetera. But Packers wanted this more. They just wanted it more. And, you know, they did what they needed to do. We can talk about all the things that they they were able to do against the Vikings. But you can just you could tell from kickoff that they were playing with like a more intense energy. They did not come into this game like they have in some other games this season kind of like sleepwalking and then halfway through wake up yeah or I mean it was really nice to see them not take their foot off the gas you Mm -hmm. know because we saw it against so many teams like the Patriots the Giants these were very winnable games for the Packers and a couple of them obviously like the Commanders these games slipped through their fingers so it was nice to see you know you're up 27 to 3 at halftime and you didn't take your foot off the gas like this is what we wanted from the Packers because that's how you let good teams like the Vikings hang around and obviously we know the Vikings are a high-powered offense they can Justin Jefferson can score you know at any spot from the field so the fact that they didn't let up and they ended the game with their highest point total of the season yes you know 14 points came from defense and special teams but still even if you take away those points it's 27 mm-hmm. points from the offense and that's that says a lot about you know the trajectory that this team is on and Aaron Rodgers controlling his own destiny in December and January is is a pretty scary thing for the rest of the NFC. I agree. So let's talk about how they got there. So you mentioned 27 to 3 at the half. It was a really wild first half. Absolutely. Um, the first quarter when it ended, I was like, it's only been one quarter of football. You know, the Packers start off going, forcing a three and out, going three and out. Like you said, Rodgers takes that horrible sack. And you're like, oh, dear. What is this going to be? And then there's a blocked punt. And it feels like this could be the moment where the air just gets totally knocked out of this game. The Vikings go down. They're on the one-yard line. They're like, they're just going to punch this in. It's going to be, you know, they're going to have, like, the, the lead now. And then the Packers defense makes an incredible stand on the goal line to hold them to three. And it just set the tone for the rest of the game. This defense completely dominated at the line of scrimmage. They played the best coverage and that I've seen the secondary play. And I'm sure we'll talk about what that led to in a second, but I just view that start to be like kind of what set the tone for the rest of the game. Yeah. I mean, because I think it would have been really easy, you know, if, it's Justin Jefferson that gets a touchdown down there in the red zone or Delvin cook. Like if it starts seven to zero, you know, maybe Nixon still has a return on the ensuing drive, but I think that momentum, you know, really says a lot and sets the tone for a team. And, and I I know it's something we're going to talk about later, but we talked about wanting to see this team pretty much all season, like bring their own juice, quote unquote. I know that was a really popular phrase last year. And this felt like, you know, even the last couple of weeks, I think against the Rams, against the Dolphins, and now against the Vikings, this team 
it's it's playoff football. AJ Dillon said it. You know, the, they're in the playoffs already. Like if they lose, doesn't matter. You know, you don't right. get into the big dance. So this is this has been playoff football, and they're really playing with that kind of energy that you'd expect from a playoff caliber football team. Exactly. This was the first game. I think we mentioned this earlier that they really looked like the team at their full potential. And this team at full potential is a playoff team. They had Super Bowl aspirations going into the season. There's a reason why they brought Aaron Rodgers back. So um, this is just the way that they should be playing. And to get a boost like they did from Keyshawn Nixon, I think all of us have been waiting for him to break one loose for a couple weeks now. Um, He had the 94-yarder last week, and you're thinking, oh, six more yards. And then it happened. And, like, that was kind of the moment where I was like, this game might get really ugly, really, really ugly, really fast, because all of a sudden, you know, the Packers are back on top. And I just – they've never had a special teams like this. Like, we watched them literally lose a playoff game last year because of their special teams, and now all of a sudden they have – what I hope to be an all pro returner, they're kicking away from him, right? He's a, he's a legitimate threat weapon who put the Packers on top to get a lead and that they never got let go of. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's a, it's a lot when you hear from Rogers and you hear from Lafleur. you know, it's not like Nixon fielded this at like the six yard line, right? This was five yards into the end zone, 105 yard return. And Rogers had said a couple weeks ago, like, you know, most of the time, if a ball is fielded in the end zone, you're like, please take a knee for the love of God, take a knee. Like, what are we doing? Or fair catch the ball, you know, and we'll just, you know, make the offense drive a little further. Now to have a guy like Nixon back there, even LaFleur is like, hey, if you can catch the ball cleanly, do it. Just, just you know, you've got the legs, you've got the, the vision. And the hole that that defense or that that unit opened for him was massive. And I think LaFleur had even said it post game, like when you have a guy that can rake plays like that, it, it energizes the whole unit. Like guys want to go block for you because they know what yeah. you're capable of if they give you, you know, what you need. Yeah, that hole, there's a screenshot of it and mm-hmm. it's wide open and, you know, he clears the kicker and it's just it's done like it's just it's it's game over that from there um I'm really happy for him he's a he's a great player to root for and I just want to plug this in here because every season we have conversations and I'm sure we'll have them in this offseason about roster building and draft and the way the Packers draft and develop and that whole philosophy but every single season Goot has found on the street or off another team's practice squad a player or two that has completely changed this team. And this season, you could put Rudy Ford maybe in this category as well, but like this season, it is Keyshawn Nixon. They brought him in from the Raiders. Obviously, I'm I'm sure Rich Bisaccia had something to do with this. And now he's literally going to the Pro Bowl and probably will be an all-pro returner, and he's completely flipping the field for them. Sure, we love a 105-yard touchdown drive, but he or touchdown return, but he does 30-yard, 40-yard, 50-yard returns regularly and puts this Packers offense in a really, really good position. So um, just like a shout-out to Goot because he always seems to find those guys uh, off the street, and it's a talent that I don't think a lot of other GMs have. Yeah, I literally was texting my dad about that when it happened. And I was like, you know, looking at, 
you know, whatever you want to say about his, some of his draft classes, you know, it's the jury's still out and going to be out on the 2022 class for quite a few years until they're more established. But the way that he's able to kind of pluck talent off of other rosters, even going back to like Alan Lazard, you know, from the Jaguars practice squad, he shows up in big moments. And I think that that's just something that absolutely can't be understated. Justin Hollins, you know, coming in from the Rams and having a couple sacks so far this season, like, it's just been really incredible to watch. And these are the kind of guys that are on these favorable contracts right now. And who knows what the contract extension conversation would look like with Nixon next season. But he just completely changed an entire special teams unit. And you can absolutely argue that, you know, the punt, the blocked punch shouldn't have happened. Of course, there's still plenty of things to clean up for that special teams unit. But the ability to flip the field is something that I can't remember the last time we've seen it as a, a help to the offense, especially an offense that truth be told has struggled at times to move the ball and get into the red zone yes and they even did in this game right like they I don't think the Packers offense really started moving and grooving until like halfway through the second quarter so they had a lead because of their defense and their special teams and it was it allowed them to kind of take the time they need to get into that groove now you can argue going forward the offense is going to have to come out you know Q1 firing on all cylinders, but for this game, they were buoyed for sure by their other units. Yeah. So let's talk about then, you know, another big moment in the game because Darnell Savage has had, you know, you could say an up and down season. I think it's mostly been down. Like, I don't know that we can really recall a lot of up and, you know, I, I even remember if it was last week or this week, I made a comment to Mark and I was like, why doesn't he use his arms to tackle? Like, I was like, how did he just hit Delvin Cook with his back? Like, where are your arms? And then a couple plays later, you know, he's he's running down the sideline for a 75-yard pick six. And I'm like, okay. Like, yeah, <laughs> look at what those arms can do, buddy. But really, I mean, I think, you know, credit to Joe Barry, how, whoever you want to credit, you know, Jerry Gray for putting his guys in positions to do this because you're hoping that, you know, he's going into his fifth-year option. They renewed him already for the fifth-year option this is the kind of stuff that you're hoping can kind of springboard his confidence and get him back on the same page with the secondary, because after a down year that felt really meaningful to have him have that moment. Yeah. And I think it was Ryan Wood who had a article come out recently. If you don't follow him, people listening, he, he covers the Packers. He does a very nice job. And it was kind of about how the Packers benched him. They benched Savage. He deserved it. And now the mindset coming back in when he is put back in is don't try to do anything extra. Don't try to go out and make the play, be a playmaker, just go out and do your job. And when you do your job, plays will happen. And that's been like the mindset and you saw it in this game. He just went out, he did his job. And that's something I do want to talk about with the rest of the secondary as well. And because he was doing his assignment and his one eleventh, he was able to be in a position to make that interception. And it wasn't even, it was not a simple interception. I'm pretty Mm -hmm. sure it was like a tipped ball that he kind of like ran backwards to get. And then some way, somehow there was enough blocking for him up front to get that into the end zone. I mean, we've known, right? Savage is super athletic, super speedy. So I'm not surprised that he turned the jets on, but it took like real I don't know, being in the right position and like playmaking ability for him to grab that ball out of midair. So, and again, it put the Packers up on top 14 to three in the first quarter. 
the offense had barely even been on the field yet. The offense had like, I think it was 14, three and they had 14 yards of offense because the other units just kept scoring and making plays for them. So again, just all around the absolute best complimentary football. And in general, I mean, the right, the Packers had four turnovers, three interceptions, one forced fumble. When your turnover differential is plus four, like you're, you're going to win football games. That's just, just how it works. I don't love relying on turnovers because I think turnovers are fluky and they're just an unreliable stat for winning. But at the same time, the Packers have how many now interceptions? 17. 17. Like that doesn't feel fluky. That just feels like these players are now finally being put in positions to make plays and like be aggressive and athletic. Like we know that they can be. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's telling too that this was a this was a three interception game and it was the three safeties. Rudy Ford, obviously, this is his third pick of the season, but it kind of mm-hmm. surprised me when Adrian Amos got his pick that this was his first all year. You know, like it just had felt like such a down year for both safeties. And we're talking about, you know, in previous shows what the offseason looks like. Do they try to move Savage? Do they get rid of Amos? Like, what are these contract situations? What are the conversations? And, you know, that still may happen, but it just was a really complete game and it was really nice to see Savage and Amos both get a pick in this game because you know it was it felt like a really year for the secondary until you know things started ramping up a couple weeks ago and yeah I know you specifically want to talk about Jair um, against Justin Jefferson but just a complete 180 from what we saw in week one and the way that they were able to you know scheme up the defense to put their guys in a really good position to shut down the Vikings playmakers well first of all they finally played these players the way that they should, right? They were able to press guys at the line. They were playing sticky. They were aggressive. Like the Rudy Ford pick, even he jumped that route. He was able to see where Kirk was going with that ball and he jumped in front of it. Like that's what these Packers secondary players are good at. Like let them use their football IQ, let them use their athleticism. I think there's also just clearly better communication ever since we heard about Jerry Gray chewing everybody out in the locker room about their inability to talk to each other. Like it has been a complete, a complete 180 for the secondary. We knew going into the season, like they had potentially the best five guys, nickel base in the league. And I don't think this off season saying that was a hot take at all. And they have not lived up to expectations And now you're starting to see like what they can really do and why that was a conversation, why everyone was so high on this Packers secondary. And it starts and ends with their all pro corner Jair and Jair has been talking a lot of smack this season. He hasn't always backed it up and he came into this game super chirpy while I appreciate it. I know some other fans and people don't, I personally think like, you have to have that attitude to be a cornerback in the NFL. You you just you simply have to have that level of confidence. He also is going up against, you know, the young up and coming, probably one of the best, if not the best wide receiver in football this season. And you're thinking, OK, we said it in our preview show. Justin Jefferson is going to get his in this game. It's just a matter of mitigating that. Well, Justin Jefferson got a big fat zero in this game. He Jair shout out to him. I think it was on like 65% of his routes run and he had one catch for 15 yards. And I think it was when 
Jair was not on him. So just complete, like, shut down. Like, this is why we pay you. This is why you talk your shit performance from Jair. And it was just so, so refreshing to see because you know that that's what he's capable of. And it also made me even more angry about week one because this is what we could have been doing in week one, having Jair shadow, not completely, obviously, but more often than not have Jair follow Justin Jefferson and look at what it did. So I'm hoping this is a bit of a blueprint moving forward because the Packers are going to play some other, you know, wide receiver cores that are very good. And clearly I think they showed what they're able to do when they go up against another team's number one. Yeah. I mean, I was thinking all game that this is what you want to see against the Lions next week. Like who would have thought that this Lions offense would be putting up 40 points? This is a really good offense. It's going to be coming into Lambeau Field and their playoff picture, you know, is is not clear either. They need a win and a little bit of help to get in. So Amon Ross St. Brown is dangerous. You think about Justin Jefferson shadowing him or, you know, let's say it's the playoffs, guys like CeeDee Lamb, AJ Brown, whatever the case right. is. I think this was a really good blueprint game to, to show this defense what they can do. 2400 Sports is an Odyssey company. 